0: Many, uh, yeah, think I'm a bike ride rider, former bike ride rider, and uh, I don't see myself as that anymore. I see myself as, as a person that runs a business that runs the
1: cycling team. Hey podcast listener, you're listening to the Semi Pro Cycling Podcast. The weekly podcast where we discuss all the issues that cyclists talk about. Whether you're out training, commuting, or just riding around, sit down and listen in because we're about to begin. I got something to say. Yoho! Welcome to episode 83 of the Semi-Pro Cycling Podcast, where we believe that only a semi-pro cyclist rides for love and not money. If you stick around to the end, I'll fill you in on the quote from the top of the show and let you know who's talking about business. Hey there, Semi-Pros. My name is Damien Roos. I'm the founder of Semi-Pro Cycling, home of The Semi-Pro Cyclist, and a review to get us underway this week. It is quite a long one, so bear with me. Infectious positive attitude keeps me motivated to ride my bike. Halim from the U.S., This is a great podcast series for cycling. Damien Roos has a great positive attitude and he presents his research and cycling information in every podcast episode. He always presents a new angle on cycling that is very thought-provoking. He points out things about cycling that I have never thought of myself and then shows me ways to improve in that area. This is truly an amazing, entertaining and educational podcast that every cyclist should be subscribing to for their own good. I have downloaded every episode from the past and I look forward to every new episode if you like to ride your bike as a serious and fun loving hobby like me then you will love these podcasts bam that is one hell of a review hey lim thank you very much for taking the time out to write all of that i really appreciate every word that went into that and a reminder to you that if you do like the show please take some time out to write a review on itunes or the stitcher store because five stars make me go Thank you very much. Now, a couple of great bits of information that I've tracked down this week. The first one is a presentation done at the Japan Cup by Rota, the power meter and crank and chain ring manufacturer. It's on pedaling dynamics, and it goes deepish into the interaction between the rider and the pedal, including biodynamics and pedaling analysis. Of course, they talk about their products, and they plug them, Namely, the Q-ring and the power meter, but regardless of that, it is an interesting look at how torque plays a role in pedaling efficiency and the power that you output. I've also got a link here to an SRM torque analysis that is from their website that you can check out. Torque and pedaling efficiency is going to be all the talk. pardon the pun, of the next 12 to 2 years while people are starting to figure out what it means for a rider to be riding efficiently, how can we train it, and how can we keep an eye on that in any software that has that capability. Article 2 by Rodi Manila. It's a great article talking about mid-compact rising and Discussing the pros and cons behind the mid-compact, I am a fan of the compact and of course you have to be a fan of standard size chain rings, but he really has a good point for mid-compact as the new contender for compacts because... When you are in the big ring, you are closer to standard and when you're in the chain ring you're closer to compacts where you need it. So you need the power to stick with the group when you have a big chain ring and if you are riding in a hilly area or you occasionally find huge mountains to ride up then you do want an extra little bit of flexibility when it comes to your lowest gear. But definitely there is cool parts in there where he breaks down the ratios of the mid-compact in comparison to standard and compact and if this is something that you been looking into, I highly recommend you check out this article. And as a bonus this week, I am reporting on something that I saw on Bikerumor.com, which, by the way, is a fabulous website. It is a patent that was filed by Shimano for a power meter inside a crankset. It's pretty interesting because it not only is there for power in one sense, it has four sensors that would deform under any pedaling forces, and it measures the flex in all directions. So are we going to see a power meter by Shimano? because they have a battery already on DI-equipped bikes. So it would be quite easy for them just to put the technology into cranks and power them up through that battery. But I've got to say, what's their partnership with Pioneer? Are they going to move those electronics into this setup? It's really interesting because Pioneer probably has developed it alongside Shimano engineers. So who knows, but definitely watch this space because Shimano is starting to get really interesting with their high-tech angle on group sets. And to me, that stuff is super duper exciting. Alrighty, let's get to the nuts and bolts. And this week, we're talking the pre-season checkup because we are all building towards the road season now. Almost everyone in the world is building. There are some lucky people that have started their road season already, but at maximum, you're going to have maybe two months before you're out on the road racing, so now is the time to start preparing for that. And definitely February is traditionally a low time in motivation, especially if you are in winter. You would probably be absolutely sick of the indoor trainer by now and you are ready to get outside and hurt like hell. But I thought a quick... Pre-season checkup would get you salivating for some racing, keep you motivated. Part of this is definitely to help you start the season right and get through your first race because you don't want to be playing catch-up once the season hits. But it's also good for a countdown to help you tick off the weeks and count down the days. So to get you to the line as ready as ever, the big challenge here is being fit, but not being at your absolute peak. Yes, you're going to want to build up, but I'm sure your A race does not come within the first couple of weeks of the season unless you are aiming for something very, very special. But why are the first races really hard to get through? That's a question that really can be answered quite simply you don't have the fitness, the race fitness, because you are fit in some ways. You're just not race fit. And you're switching from riding out on your own or with groups and going fairly slow with maybe small bursts of speed, but you just don't have the capacity to ride super hard for super long, which is fair enough because it's going to be a long season and you want to build up to that. But you definitely need this fitness to do well in any races. So you need to shift the way that you think about how you are approaching your riding moving forward and for anybody that's super experienced maybe I'm not telling you anything new here but definitely there are certain parts that you forget about until it's too late until you're in the middle of the race and you're thinking about what you're doing and you're in trouble and you're basically just wasting your time being pack fodder. So you're really never going to get the intensity of races in your training unless you do some motor pacing, which, remember, can be your secret source to getting prepared for races. But basically, you want to be start cranking out the short stuff, stepping it up in group rides so you're actually getting to the front and hitting it, plus doing some sprinting, getting into your anaerobic zone. But you're also thinking about your first taper and how that's going to go down so you can see how you're actually reacting to the taper and then you can mimic that throughout the rest of the season. I've got five ways down here though that can help you get ready for the season and make sure that you hit it as strong as possible. Number one, weight training. You want to be moving into your strength maintenance phase. So the hard work is all done now when it comes to the weight stuff. You've been through heavy, heavy weight sessions and now you're moving out to more bike specific stuff and you're probably doing that right now or you have been doing that for the last month or so but now is the time to start thinking about what you're going to do once the race season comes because the strength maintenance phase really is time to focus on your core upper body and the strength and keeping your legs fresh for training and for racing while maintaining that strength so what do you want to do you only want to be doing it one day per week and if it is a race day a big race day especially an A priority race then you do not want to be doing it at all so we do stick to still the major areas and the big movements like squats and lunges but also bodyweight exercises here things like planks and push-ups and core workouts really are the best way to maintain this over the entire season you're also wanting to up the reps from where you have been so you want to get up to 10 to 15 reps because you're not trying to tire the muscles out you're just trying to give them a freshen up each week so they remember what strength is and you're only doing two or three sets when it comes down to this this is really only talking about an hour at maximum with a cardio warm-up so it's not going to be too draining on you and it should be fairly easy to do even if you stopped your gym membership and actually just did it all at home it would be very possible to do this just make sure you know where it fits into your week so you aren't wearing yourself out now number two race fitness so coming off your base you will have absolutely no race pace fitness well that's a bit of a lie. You may have some. But a really good way to check this out is your quadrant analysis. And has your pedaling been in the quadrant that represents your race? If not, you're going to have to do something about that. But race fitness really only comes with the intensity that racing supplies. There is absolutely nothing like it. And like I said, ways to kind of boost this are through group rides where you're actually having a go, like it's a mini race. And there definitely are group rides around the world that compensate ...for not racing on the weekends and are absolutely race simulations. So get on those, ride hard, push yourself and absolutely blow up, absolutely go too hard. There is no problem with pushing yourself to the limit in these rides... ...because you want to find where your limits are when it's in a safe environment. It is a slow process and don't get too disheartened. You just want to know that if you want to do well in the first races of the season... ...then do this building up in the six to eight weeks before you get to the first race... If you want to spend the time from the first race on preparing and getting your body right for the higher intensity, then you're going to have to race into fitness and it's going to take a little bit more time. But every single race you do adds to this and it adds to the intensity. If it's positioned right in your training week and your training program, then it is going to give you proper race fitness that you can carry through to the races that you really want to do well in. Number three, mental prep. This is a really big one, I feel, and it's something that probably comes... Too late, because you're in the middle of a race, someone's made a move, and they've just outplayed you, as simple as that, but getting your head in the right place, and really, the beauty of the linear training model is that the intensity is built up over time, allowing you to physiologically adapt, but more importantly, allowing your mind to wrap itself around what's going on in the middle of the first few VO2 max sprints, that it probably is either tapping into the area that says, don't do these again, you idiot, or... Bring it on, because this is the pain I love. Either way, though, it's going to be a shock to the system. So the same can sort of be said for the first few races. Yes, physiologically, like I've just mentioned, it's going to be tough. But to adjust to getting your head back into race mode usually is a slow one. Unless you're a seasoned veteran and you've been there and you've done that, we can sometimes forget the small things such as patience or to never accelerate into undisturbed air. These small things are the things you forget until you're doing them and you're just slapping yourself on the head and regretting making dumb moves that could easily be avoided with some pre-thought. So take some time out to think about the last few races of your last season. Definitely, you would have been primed by then, you would have been a season deep into your thinking and preparation, probably racing every single week and just knowing what is going to go down. Whether you've got the legs to go with any moves is a whole other story, but at least you have been in the position and you are familiar with what's going around at that point. So have a think about the end of the season where your mind was sharp and you had experience and race knowledge. And everything was sitting in your random access memory ready to go, not lost deep in a hard drive somewhere. But pick out the best three or four rules that guide your racing. The things that you often remind yourself before races. Pick those out and the best way to cement these is definitely through visualization and i have done an episode on visualization about picking a number but if you know the race course if it's a crit race course for example that you've been on before definitely go through it in your head the cool thing these days is that a lot of people are recording rides so you can go through and do a simulation of being in a bunch and just imagine you are racing that race Think about what you're looking for and where you want to be and put yourself in that position so it's not a shock when you're there and doing it. But it is a skill like any other and it takes time to perfect. So start early. Start right now start thinking about it. Take time every day to visualize specific races or specific things you want to do in races so you can move that part of your brain forward and nothing surprises you and you have the eye of the tiger from the first race. Now, number four, training load. You want to match your training load to the race requirements By the time the season rolls around. It really depends on your priorities. And I'm sure this is a planning thing for many of you but you've got to think about where you want to be in your training load by the time the season rolls around because training is going to add extra stress to the system and if you're not adapting and planning for that adaption then you're going to be in trouble because it's going to be too much for you. I don't know about you but if I go from nothing to a lot of racing it just blows me. It absolutely blows me even if I'm doing nothing during the week because I haven't built up to the point where I can survive these races. So consciously think about the training intensity that you need to to get through to get up to a race season where you may be racing two or three times a week think about what that training load is think about what you're doing now and how you can get to there it's not just about hours it's about the stress that you're putting on your body and number five, skills. Skills, skills, skills. We have spoken about skills, and hopefully you listen to the skills podcast I recently did. But what I was talking about there was mostly off-season stuff. So that is really thinking about efficiency skills. But what I'm talking about here in moving into the race season are the ones that you need to stay with the bunch or attack with the bunch. Yes, it's tactics, but it's also cornering, and cornering at race speed on tight circuits. It's bumping. It's getting used to that bumping again, because I'm sure you don't bump into anyone during your training rides. I'm positive you don't, do you? Pace lines. Getting ready to hit pace lines wherever the wind comes from, and knowing how to do it to ensure that you're saving as much energy as possible, because remember, a bike race is not one by the person that spends the most energy. It's the one that spends the most energy at the best time. The other one is echelons, definitely. And yes, you may be an experienced writer, but. When it comes down to it, there are so many different variations of wind and terrain and riding situations that just having these fresh in your mind and ready to go is a very good reminder and will get you prepared and not missing any valuable opportunities when it comes to racing smartly. So that is a pretty simple list and I kept it simple on purpose because I I don't think it is necessary to get into too much detail when we're talking the pre checkup because at the same time you're also wanting to check your equipment, your gear, you want to get everything right, you want to have your entries in and planned out, you want to have a leave pass from the family but the idea is not to overwhelm yourself, just to slowly start preparing the things, start preparing your mind and your skills, the things that you may not think about outside of your actual training. This is going to make the difference when you hit that first start line and hopefully you carry that form into a much better season than you've ever had before. Alrighty, the tech hacks and products section. This week it's an app and unfortunately for any Android folks, it is an Apple-only app, but it's called Bike Fast Fit. It's three bucks, well... I really I bought it for three bucks not long ago and it's five bucks when I checked today so I don't really know but it's around three to five dollars it is mostly for fun I can't say that it's one hell of a absolutely perfect serious way to get a bike fit done just because there are so many factors that go into a bike fit and a lot of them have nothing to do with the bike but definitely it has some implications for bike fit but not as an outright replacement so it's really good for storing data of your bike fit so when you are traveling you can just instantly jump back and have a look on the bike to see whether the angles that a bike fitter or you have set up are where they should be but I won't go into it too far it's cheap enough just to play around you will need somebody else to help you out with it but once you get it cranking and everything's in the system then it's pretty fun and you'll spend a bit of time just stuffing around and maybe changing things because of it I will link to the DC Rainmaker review of it because like normal it's very thorough it goes through everything you can do with it i've also got the link to buy it directly in the itunes but i'm sure you know how to use search in the app store now that quote from the top of the show it's Bjarne Reese talking at a japan cup presentation and where is bian this year He is running Tinkoff Saxo as general manager because he sold the team and the tour license to Tinkoff, but he stayed on as general manager. So let's see if releasing the pressure of a team owner helps the team thrive because their most expensive rider, Mr. Contador, will be aiming this year at the tour and the welter. So let's see if he can come back or if he ever really had it. By the way, Reese is an average storyteller at best. I will put an example of why. At the end of the show, so check it out and be prepared to be bored to tears. And that is it for this week. You have been listening to the Semi Pro Performance Podcast. You can find everything mentioned in the podcast if you head over to semiprocycling.com forward slash preseason. From there, you can join the email list where we'll keep you up to date with everything happening on the show. So, till next week, get on your bike and enjoy the Pain Cave or the Hurt Box, whichever one you're into.
0: I have a, a little funny one is that some years ago when we had uh, an American company as, as our main sponsor, CSC, maybe some of you know that company, it's a, it's a company we had as main sponsor for 9 years. And uh, one day after the Tour de France I was sitting uh, in Paris at a, at a cafe with uh, the the CEO of the company, and uh, we were sitting there talking about the team and the sponsorship and everything and, and he, <clears throat> then he asked me so he said, "Bjana, what is the most difficult to run a team? I said, well, if I have to be honest it's two things it's to get the money that is needed to run it and then to have everybody run in the same direction and I told him, well, for me I mean, it's difficult I have 70 people And uh, I knew by that time, CSC had 92,000 people employees. So uh, I said um, I wouldn't be in your shoes. Because I can imagine how difficult it is to have 90,000 people running in the same direction.